At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. This episode is sponsored by photographycourse.net. Our 365 Days of Photography course is now live. This is an amazing opportunity for you to grow as a photographer. My teammate, Kevin LJ, has produced this course in a step-by-step format, which is very easy to follow. He presents it in bite-sized lessons, each with a practical challenge. You'll learn and practice a new aspect of photography every single day. If you've been wondering how you can improve your photography without having to commit time to long lessons, this is the course for you. We've designed each lesson to be around five minutes long, and you can spend as much time on the challenges as you like. There's also a friendly forum where you can share the photos you take and get constructive feedback from others on the course. Kevin's professional photography experience is extensive. He covers not only photography essentials, but also many genres of photography throughout the course. You will learn far more about photography than simply how to use your camera. For our listeners, we are offering a very special discounted price of $99 instead of the launch price, which is $149. The final price will soon be $365, so make sure to take advantage of this great deal today. Go to greatbigphotographyworld.com slash 365 to claim your discount. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I talk to a conceptual photographer that many many people have been admiring for a very long time. Joel Robison is a Canadian photographer whose creativity knows no bounds. He often photographs himself and creates surreal photographs that resemble paintings. I had the pleasure of talking to him about his journey to becoming a photographer, his shooting process, social media, and much more. Please enjoy. Hey Joel, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Please feel free to introduce yourself. Hi, Taya. It's really nice to be here as well. And my name is Joel Robison. I'm from a small town in uh, the Canadian Rockies in Canada, obviously. And I'm a conceptual 
create a photographer, I think the title that I use changes depending on the day and depending on who I'm talking to. But I'm pretty happy calling myself a conceptual photographer uh, slash artist. That's amazing. And what camera equipment do you use? Uh, right now, I use the Sony a7R II. And I kind of use, I have a few different lenses, but I rely pretty heavily on just the, the trusty old 50 millimeter lens that I think everyone probably has and a 35 millimeter lens. And sometimes, depending on, on what I'm doing, an 85 millimeter lens. So I'm really a fan of prime lenses. They're kind of my favorite thing. Yeah, it's really interesting. A lot of the people that I talk to rely a lot on the 50 and the 35 specifically. And I just, I mean, <laughs> they really are, and especially in portrait photography. And you do a lot of self-portraits too, which I think the 35 comes in handy for that, especially indoors. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It definitely gives me a little bit more room to work with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can relate. I'm also a self-portrait photographer, so it's the same. <laughs> as much sense as possible, right? Yeah. I have a strong feeling that you were one of the first photographers on Flickr that had a significant impact on other photographers, especially beginners. I remember being really young and being in awe of your incredible editing skills. And this was 10 years ago. And even now, I'm just I'm so in awe of what you do and very appreciative of the Thank fact you. that you know, continually producing such amazing work. Did you always know that you wanted to be a photographer? Well, first of all, thank you. That's such a high compliment. And I think that I kind of joke with some friends that I'm sort of like one of the grandfathers of <laughs> of Flickr, grandfathers of conceptual photography world. It's been a while since I started, but I didn't actually ever, ever really consider being a photographer. I'd always wanted to be an artist, uh, but I didn't really know in what capacity. When I was younger, I really enjoyed drawing and kind of illustrating. And I my dream goal, my dream job for a long time was to be an animator at Disney. That was sort of like the only thing I could think of doing with my life. And I really enjoyed drawing, but I wasn't necessarily good at it. <laughs> and I didn't have the patience at the time to really work on kind of getting better at it. I was just happy to do what I was doing. And I just kind of realized when I was in my teens that drawing and, and kind of illustrating wasn't as much as I liked it, it was never going to be what I was going to do. And it was around that time I actually took my first and only ever <laughs> photography class. And it was a film photography class. It was a, a two-week course inside of an art class I was taking. And it was a black and white film photography course. And I hated every minute of it. <laughs> and it, it just was, it didn't feel natural to me. It was stressful. I mean, the whole developing film part, it was just, I didn't understand it. I didn't get the chemicals. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. And I was, I think it was because I was also immature. I was 16 and didn't really care. And I remember, and I've had to since swallow these words, I handed my camera back to the teacher and the film that I developed. And I just told her that I hated, <laughs> I hated photography. I was never going to need to know any of this stuff. And I was like, I'm never going to use a camera. I don't need to know how to do this. And it kind of makes me laugh to think about it because not only did I obviously go back on that, I then actually worked with that teacher when I worked in the school system I worked in classroom supporting students, and then I now go back to her classroom, and I'm a presenter. I'm actually a guest speaker in her class. So mm -hmm. I always have to tell the story of, like, you never know <laughs> where your life's going to go. And you may hate something now, but it could change. And so I never set out to do it. I never thought I would do it. 
it was after I had finished school, I had gone to college and I was working. And I think when you kind of leave school and you kind of start to settle into your life, you kind of figure out, okay, what do, what am I missing or, or what do I want to do? And I really missed art. I really missed creating. So I, I tried to get back into it. And I tried a lot of different things like drawing, painting, and even sculpture and, and all sorts of different things. And nothing really ever felt like it was connected to me. It was always just that I was doing things and it wasn't really that I wanted or felt like I had to. Mm-hmm. And then when I came across Flickr, it was just sort of by chance. And I mean, this was early, early days of kind of creative photography in the way that we know it. Mm-hmm. I just was like obsessed. <laughs> and like, I just would follow a few people and just see them posting every day. And, and they were just regular people and, and just doing it because they loved it. And I found a really uh, supportive and funny group on Flickr. And I just joined it sort of not really expecting much from it. And within a couple of weeks, I bought my first camera and I was posting photos and the rest is history. Mm, That's a really cool story. And it's even cooler that you initially had this sort of resistance (laughs) as a photographer because you you didn't. (laughs) Yeah, a huge resistance. Yeah, yeah, as a person, you just didn't want it at all. That's that's really mm-hmm. funny. And yeah, it's cool that you're a presenter now at, at that teacher, <laughs> at teacher's class and that you, it's it's a really interesting story and very inspiring, I think, too, for, for listeners who feel like they're maybe not really sure where they're going in life as photographers. That's uh, lovely. And I also find it interesting that you, when you joined Flickr, you liked it for the, the community and the people and the sense of, you know, belonging that they had there. And yeah. now a lot of people that I talk to who were originally from Flickr, they say that they miss that on Flickr because now it's a little bit more low-key because Instagram and other platforms have taken over in a sense. But what I've noticed with you is that you you took that sense of community and you transferred it to Instagram in a way. So you still have that feeling of connectivity, but it's on a different platform, but it still has the same feeling, if that makes sense. It's just a random observation, but I thought I'd put it out there. <laughs> Yeah, I think community has always been a really big part of why I enjoy spending time on social media. I'm from a pretty small town. And uh, when I started, there was not a lot of people that would understand what I was creating. And a lot of people didn't even know for a few years that I was sharing my work online. So I really relied heavily on connecting with other people. And because I lived in a small town, I didn't have a lot of kind of outward connection to other people, other ways of thinking, other ideas. And so when I started to meet people through photography that lived in different parts of the world or that saw different things or that experienced different things, it was really an opportunity for me to learn and to grow. And I think that was a a huge part of those early days for sure. And I think my best friends, my closest friends are friends that I met through Flickr eight years ago or nine years ago. We're still such good friends. And I would say that without that community, I don't know that I would still be doing photography now because it was such a huge part of why I wanted to continue doing it. And then when when things moved to sort of Facebook and, and Instagram, it did kind of fracture. And I think that's partly because there were more opportunities outside of kind of our little group. And, and I think naturally things kind of splinter and sort of, move apart but I still felt very connected to people and I still felt the value in being connected to people and in the last year I I think especially with the way that things have gone 
it's really important to have community and to build community. And you just never know what it means to one person to be a part of a community. And, and I think that's the great thing is that we all have that capacity to be a part of a community. It doesn't take a lot to do it. You just have to be there. You just have to contribute. You don't have to be the leader. You don't have to be the one that's doing all the work. You just have to be there. And it helps it helps create this great place. And I think that that's such a, a, an important part of what we do as artists and, and as you know, people that use social media is to use it in ways that help others and, and that connect others and that that give each person a sense of belonging. It's it's important. Yeah, I agree with you. That's a very beautiful answer. And I like what you said about community because if at the heart of what you do there is community, then no matter what platform you go to, no matter what you do in life, you will always feel at home. And it's not gonna have to rely necessarily on a specific website. So it's all exactly. about Connecting with people from all over the world doesn't necessarily have to have like a specific place. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Your work has evolved over the years, but you still have a very distinct style. A lot of photographers, regardless of experience, often struggle with developing a style of their own. Do you have any advice for those people? Um, I think that it takes time and I think that you never really know. I don't think it's ever possible to really know what your style is. I think it's revealed to you as you work. I think that the more you do something, the more you start to settle into what is best and what feels best and what connects to you most. And I think the best advice I could give to someone is to just like create as much as you can at the beginning, or if you're kind of trying to figure that out, just to create and to let it kind of fall where it falls. And I think when I first started, I did like the 365 projects and I did four of them back to back and I think the first couple I did were kind of really a mixture <laughs> of all different kinds of mm-hmm. styles that now I look back and I kind of like cringe that I felt proud of them <laughs> I think that that all helped me figure out what didn't feel like me and and what I didn't connect to and what didn't feel right and what didn't really fit what I wanted to do and I think that's the great thing about art is that you don't have to fit every mold you don't have to fit every every style you don't have to fit every kind of genre or theme you can find something that is distinctly you and I think now I I like to think that instead of it being like one room of my theme I, I found the house of my art that I live in and I explore inside that house instead of it being just sort of this wide open expanse of all different types I found the place that I'm most comfortable in and I can still explore and, and create within that. And I don't feel limited, but I feel confident in, in the way that I present my work. And even now I'll still create something and look at it and be like, whoa, that's not me. <laughs> why did I do that? <laughs> and I'll kind of be like, well, why would I think that that was a, a good idea? And it still teaches me something because I still can think, okay, why isn't it me? And what about it doesn't fit my style? And then you can kind of use that to kind of refine yourself even more. Yeah, that's really, really nice. I like that answer. And I like that you compared it to a house of themes. So uh, the first time I hear that, I think that's uh, a great <laughs> visualization for photography. <laughs> yeah, it's really helpful, even for me. Like, I mean, I have been taking photos for over 11 years now, and I do feel that I have a style, but I remember very clearly and distinctly when I first started. I really desperately wanted to have a style like the photographers that I admired. And it's just not yeah. something you can achieve in a day, unfortunately. <laughs> or fortunately. Yeah, it does take time, yeah. Yeah, it takes a lot of time. But I remember with time, looking back at my old work, 
and like you cringing sometimes, but just often more often than that, appreciating the progress that I made and noticing differences here and there and being like, okay, there's something here that's coming out. I'm sort of sculpting something. So yeah, I like to compare it to sculpting. Um, Absolutely. I think that's the great thing about looking back through your own work is that you see those breakthrough moments where you, where you know that you kind of hit something and you know that it's sort of led you a little bit further along on the path. And so I think that's the great thing about creating and especially having like a huge portfolio, whether it's public or whether it's just for you to look at, that you can go back and you can see those specific points where you're like, okay, this definitely pushed me a little bit further along the line. And now I'm here because I made those choices then. And I think that's really great. And and I recommend people do that often is to go back and look at your old work because it does teach you a lot about how far you've come and it helps you appreciate the skills that you've learned. And it also allows you the chance to kind of see a little bit more in the past. Maybe you were a little bit more free in the way that you thought and maybe you had less limitations to take those senses of freedom and exploration, but then combine it with kind of your more refined style and see how that can work together. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree with you. That is really brilliant advice. I recommend that as well, because whenever I look back at my work, especially something even I took a few months ago, I do see differences even in in the way that I thought and the way that I approached my work. And it helps so much because we often take for granted our progress as artists. And we it's not that we live in the moment all the time which would be good. But it's just, I guess, we're so future focused that we want to be better and better that we forget about the past. And that can sometimes... Yeah, and I think it helps a lot to just sit down sometimes and be like, okay, this is how much progress I've made and this is what I can learn from it. I should be proud of myself. It's not selfish to be proud of yourself. (laughs) No, absolutely. It's definitely not. Yeah. You've been taking photos for many, many years, as you said, but you're you're the grandfather of conceptual. (laughs) but you still produce original content your instagram is filled with vibrant conceptual self-portraits where do you get your inspiration from and what do you do when you run out of ideas yeah it's been over 10 years just like you but i've been you know taking photos and sharing them and i think that at the beginning i would get very stressed when i didn't have ideas or when i was lacking inspiration and i think that that's such a common thing i think that any interview or any sort of question that I get from people that is always in there somewhere. It's like, how do you get inspiration or what do you do when you're missing inspiration? And I think that that just shows that it's something that happens to literally everybody. And I think as much as it's hard to do, the best advice when you're feeling like I don't have inspiration or I don't have ideas is to just take a step back and look at who you are as a person as, and as an artist and look at all the things that make up you as a person and, and the names, the labels, the, the, the personality traits, the interests that you have, the hobbies that you have and build those things up so that you become kind of an even more well-rounded person. And in the process, you're able to channel all of that into the work that you do. So when I'm feeling like particularly low in inspiration, I I tend to just kind of retreat back into myself a little bit. And I I just try to figure out, okay, what message do I actually want to put out in the work that I'm doing? What is the goal of what I want to do? And and who am I at this moment in time? And what 
am I really feeling at this moment in time? And I try to just kind of get back in touch with myself because I feel like when I'm low on inspiration or when I'm low on creative ideas, it's mostly because I've lost a little bit of contact with who I am. <laughs> I'm more like kind of in this, maybe a bit of like a, not a panic, but the sort of stress of like, I need to create rather than I want to create. And I think that just flipping that into a different frame of mind really helps you to relax and to to trust yourself. And I think that it takes a bit of time, just like finding your own style. It takes time to trust that just because you don't have an idea today or tomorrow doesn't mean that you're never going to have an idea. <laughs> and I'm definitely guilty of falling into that trap where I've gone through a few days of just complete desert of ideas and there's nothing. And I just think, oh God, this is the end. It's like, I'm never going to post another photo ever again because I have nothing left. And I just, every time I get through that and I come out of it and I see things and, and experience things and think about things and new ideas form and I kind of laugh at myself like, oh, you fell into the trap that you warn other people about. <laughs> and I think that that's all we can do is to just understand that it's normal and natural and you can't do everything 100% every day and to trust that you have all the stories inside of you. You just need to give yourself a little bit of patience to let them come out when they're ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really love what you said about needing to create rather than feeling that you have to create or or. <laughs> It's really important to go inside of your heart and really understand what it is that you want to achieve as a photographer rather than feel the pressure from yourself or from others to create something, some specific image that you think will get a lot of attention or likes or, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you're going through at the moment. I really, yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate that you are self-aware in that sense. And I think <laughs> that self-awareness is extremely important, especially in photography, but in life in general. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I think we live in a really fast-paced, like really content-heavy world right now. And, you know, you can look at thousands of images in a few minutes just scrolling through. And I think that that contributes to so much of that fear of if I don't contribute today then I'm going to be forgotten or if I don't produce something today then I'm not as good as everyone else and I still get trapped in that way of thinking too like I think oh it's been x amount of days I better I better put something out there and then I kind of stop myself and think like who are you doing this for are you doing this for you or are you doing this because you think that's what people expect from you because when I think of other artists I don't sit there and go you know that person hasn't posted in four days but like what are they doing? <laughs> I'm just happy when they do. I don't think about when they are not. And I think I need to remind myself of that as well, that we live in such a different world where a hundred years ago, if you produce a painting in a couple of years, people were happy and like impressed and would look at it. And now it's like you have to produce something every hour on the hour. <laughs> if you don't, then <laughs> you're just lost in the in the the river of it all. And I think that it's just trusting that your work is not based on the amount that you create. It is like the, the work itself. And, and I think that that's something we need to really get back to. It's, it doesn't matter if you make something every day or every week or every month. It's just knowing that you're doing it and, and putting the work into it. It doesn't matter how much work is done in the end. Absolutely. Yes, I completely agree with you a thousand percent because I have been thinking a lot myself, especially at the end of last year about just slowing down in my post yeah. and 
as a photographer and, and whatever it is that I do, because as you said, social media and just life nowadays is so fast paced and we do feel the pressure to be always running somewhere, always doing a bunch of different things, always multitasking, right? Which is great to a certain extent, but I think, yeah, it's not very natural. That's just no. my yeah, <laughs> it's really natural to just run around all the time, be marketing yourself, be, you know, feeling like you have to produce content all the time. So what I did last month in December, I just, I said to myself, you have to just slow down, be present, do one thing at a time. And it really worked wonders. And it's only been a month since I started doing that, but it's already, I've noticed a difference. I feel calmer. Yes, absolutely. I make mistakes. Like I sometimes end up thinking too much or I, I start doing multiple things at once. But it's affected me very positively as an artist because I no longer feel the need to be producing content 24-7. I no longer beat myself up for it, you know. And it just it's all about doing things one thing at a time and really slowing down. And as you said, I really love what you said about painters in the past 100 years ago. They didn't feel pressure to just constantly be active as painters, right? They just had this one thing that they focused on completely for years. And people were happy about that. I really love that. It's something we should definitely think about. I mean, we didn't have to, to, you know, produce or have one photo shoot every few years, of course, but <laughs> not that dramatic. <Yeah. laughs> it's finding the balance, I think, for sure. And I think, like, part of the joy when I think when we both started and it was really just flicker. I mean, this was before Instagram, before Facebook, before YouTube. That was the only real place that people were sharing work. And there was really only one thing people were doing and I think that the difference between now and then is that now there's so many more pieces of content to create so we have stories and we have TikToks and we have behind the scenes and we have blogs and we have it's so much and I think that when there's so many more things available we feel like we're we're shorting ourselves because we're not taking a piece of all of those things and even in the last few months you know when when Instagram sort of changed and, and they came out with their reels i think that's what they're called i had some friends say like oh, are you going to start posting them and i just said like i don't think so because it's not something that interests me and i don't feel like i need to put more work on my shoulders just to say that i'm doing it <laughs> like i don't feel passionate about it and i don't feel that it has a direct you know impact on on me to do it or not and so I don't feel like I need to kind of add more weight to the work that I'm doing just to say that I'm doing it and I think that that's what we need to do just like you said it's focusing on one thing and doing that one thing because like if we go back to that example of, of a painter a painter wouldn't be like well those people are dancing so I better be dancing while I'm painting and that person is singing opera so I better be singing opera while I'm dancing and painting and and no, they just focused on the one thing that they did really well. And I think that that's okay to do that. We don't have to be multi-versed and multi-talented and multi-focused all the time. Exactly. You just have to do what you love most. And Instagram and social platforms in general, they cater to different kinds of personalities. So if you just embrace <laughs> that, then you're just assuming that you have 100 different personalities. 100 different yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's just about adapting. But I know some people in my life, I've talked to them about social media. They're not photographers, but they are creative. And they've mm -hmm. said, oh, I love Instagram stories. I love um, posting on my Instagram feed. And that works for them. That's incredible. But you just have to never feel pressure, I suppose, to yep. be like anyone, but to just be yourself and to understand what works for you personally as a photographer and as a person. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialise in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. It's clear that a lot of thought goes into your photo shoots. Your images are very detailed and very beautiful. How much planning goes into your shoots before you actually start taking photos? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. So I kind of have two modes of working and one is hyper organized and one is completely spontaneous. And I think that the ones that are more maybe emotionally connected to me are the ones that I plan out more. So they're ones that are inspired more by like a specific feeling or a specific emotion or experience. And I really want to find a way to connect it personally to myself more as a a diary or more as like a, a way for me to look back on that image and, and remember what I was feeling or thinking about. And so I tend to spend a bit of time either drawing out the idea so I can kind of see it in my head and then kind of gathering all the items I need and figuring out the right place to go and, and, and kind of spending more time matching the image in my head to what I'm producing. And uh, that can take a few days sometimes to, to do it well. And then on the flip side of that is sort of just my kind of love for just going out and doing whatever. <laughs> and I think that I enjoy both parts of it. And so sometimes I will just, if the weather is interesting or I'm feeling like I just need to go out and do something, I'll just grab, you know, a bunch of random stuff and put it in my backpack and just go out into the woods and be like, well, let's see what happens today. And sometimes those images fail completely. But they always teach me, like, okay, why did it fail? Like, okay, well, you shot it in the middle of the day, so that's probably why. And uh, sometimes they work. And I feel like those images that I take in that more spontaneous kind of way of being are more maybe creative and less personally connected to me. And they're a little bit more, like, on the spot thinking, okay, what can I do in this place, in this time, with what I have, and what story can I tell? And I like that. I like the ability of doing both of those things because that is very reflective of my personality where I can be very introspective and very thoughtful and, and I always thinking but then I also do like to be spontaneous and I do like to just sort of go out and do stuff and and I think that both of those fit who I am as a person just as much as they fit who I am as an artist. Our 365 Days of Photography course is the ultimate learning experience for new photographers and even those with some experience. This course, presented in bite-sized lessons, teaches you step-by-step -step the essentials of photography and beyond. Get your discount code by visiting greatbigphotographyworld.com slash 365. That's very interesting. I assumed you were just solidly a planner for some reason. <laughs> I like to plan. I like to know what I'm expecting. And I like to have 
kind of, I like to know that I'm working towards what I've set out to do, but I also do like to kind of just take a deep breath and just run out into the wind and just do whatever. <laughs> so do you have a dedicated notebook for your photography plans or is it just all over the place? I do actually. I try to have a new one every year. And actually last night, I well, this year, I kind of going back on my advice of just focusing on one thing and like not pressuring yourself. I'm doing a 365 project this year. So I'm I've done three days, <laughs> which is good. But I was looking through my old notebooks and my old sort of idea books yesterday. And it was fun. It was like a funny thing to go back on and just see like the ideas that worked. And even just in like the few little words that I had scribbled down, like I remember what image that was. Or I can see like where my mind was and I can see like what I thought was a great idea at the time and it didn't work out. And like, it's almost like, foreshadowing like you think like oh if I could go back and tell like 10 years ago I could tell myself like don't waste your time <laughs> like that's not gonna work but it was fun and I, I and I do really suggest that people have like an actual tangible book that they write in mm-hmm. because we are so focused on, on technology and I mean I use technology every day but I never use the notes app in my phone I never use my phone to keep track of things I have to write it down and the joy of it is like when you have those moments where you can flip through like 10 years of these books that are sometimes hilarious because it doesn't make any sense. And I think if anyone ever finds these books, they're going to think that I was totally out of this world because they're just random scribbles of like umbrella with balloons floating in the sky. Like it just probably looks like notes from a madman, but to me, they made sense. And to me, they, they were a story waiting to be told. And I loved being able to go back and, and seeing them and even getting inspired by the things that I wrote. I mean, I looked through a few of them yesterday and I, I wrote down probably a dozen ideas just based off of the things that I was reading that I never finished or that never got made or that maybe I look at it in a different way. And so I think that it's really important to have kind of that written document so that you can go back and and see, like you said, see your progress and see your, your growth and see your journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was about to ask you if you ever look back on your old notebooks and get any new ideas and you that <laughs> for me. <laughs> you read them? I, yeah. <laughs> I like, it sounds silly, but I like sort of crossing things off. <laughs> it's like a huge satisfaction to me. I feel like I'm actually like winning a game or I'm like, I'm doing well when I can cross things out. And so I, I really enjoy just like, writing down ideas and then using a highlighter to like highlight them when I've done it. So it's like, okay, I'm done that task. I did a good job. So there's a lot of notebooks that are a lot of, you know, highlighted items that have been done and some that aren't, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. Do you ever make lists on purpose just so you can just check them off quickly? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I make lists. So every Sunday I sit down and I write a list for the next week. And sometimes I'll just write the most, you know, basic thing like, I have to buy groceries or like, it's just like the things that I'm going to do anyways, but I write it down just so that I can cross it off. Me too. I do that. So often. <laughs> it's just the most mundane stuff too. For me. I'm just, I just get so much satisfaction from it as well. Like you. And yeah, it's, I like what you said about having tangible items for photography. 
it's so nice for something to be so personal. As you said, if someone were to look through your notebooks, potentially they could think you were a madman. But <laughs> you would know exactly what they were for. And as you said, it's so nice when you look back on things and scribbles and remember the photos that you created as a result of those scribbles. I like how personal it is, and it is much more personal than an app, um, although apps are very useful. Yeah. But it is so nice to have so many notebooks collected over the years. And I think it's it's great inspiring for other people, but especially for yourself to look back on. And I would recommend that as well, because I, I I don't personally plan my photo shoots, but I do like scribbling notes here and there sometimes. It's nice to look yeah. back on that. So. Definitely. I really appreciate what you do for the photography community. We've talked about this a little bit already, but... You don't just share photos on Instagram. You write something hopeful or vulnerable to accompany your images. I know that as photographers, we often focus so much on producing great content that we forget to connect with others or to take care of ourselves. In your opinion, what's something that everyone should do in their personal lives to improve their mental health? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And I think especially now with the way that the world is and, and what we've gone through in the past year, I think it's really important that we use social media intentionally and we use it kind of in a way that is not just self-serving. <laughs> I know that social media is pretty much <laughs> just self-serving, but there's so many ways and opportunities to use it to help others, even if it is just to communicate with them. And I think that that's something that I learned way back you know, in the Flickr ages was just being personal. And that's how people get to know you as an artist. And when I think of the artists that I admire or the people that I still look to on social media, they're, they're, they tend to be the people that do share more than just an image. I think that it's kind of nice to know, you know, what someone is thinking about or, or to connect with them, not just on an, an image, but what they're saying as well. And I think that for me, my work has always been a, a personal journal or a diary of my life, but then writing has been a way for me to kind of connect it even deeper to my for myself and to myself and for others as well. And I think that that's something that I've I've enjoyed, and I think that that's helped my mental health immensely. It's just to to not feel like I have to hold it all in, and I think that that's something that anyone can do. Is just find a way that you can let out whatever it is that you're thinking about whether you write it down or whether you say it to someone or whether you you can just go out and scream it into the void if you really want to um it's just knowing that you don't ever ever have to hold everything in that you know your life is not supposed to be this endless vacuum where you just suck things in and you don't ever have a chance to exhale it out and i think that what's really been interesting and and really powerful for me is that the more that i open up the more other people around me tend to do the same thing. And I think that that's, that's been a really powerful thing to open up and to feel like I'm supported in that. But then also when people feel supported by you, they, they come to you and, and they want to talk or they want to share or they feel, they feel kind of like there's permission to, to share themselves. And I think that that's, that's really important. And I think that that's something we can all do as well is just, kind of walk the walk and, and open up and just make sure that no one ever feels like they don't have anyone to talk to. And I think we live in such a hyper-connected world that nobody should ever feel alone and no one should ever feel that they can't connect to someone. And I think that's why I answer pretty much any message that I get or any you know email that I get, because you never know who's on the other end of that. That person might be struggling or they might be alone or they might be feeling really lonely. And they might be reaching out to you because they know that you're someone that cares. And 
I think that that's a part of the, the responsibility that I have in the way I use social media is to use it in a way that isn't just pushing work out there. It's to be a, be a part of it and to be a figure in it and to be, to be someone that people can talk to. And I think that that's a huge part of my life personally and a huge part of my life as a photographer and an artist as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that about you very much. And I, I can see the impact you've had already on so many people because I looked through Instagram the other day and there were so many comments and I noticed that every photograph came with, with a caption and it was always very introspective and also it encouraged the viewer to be involved in some way. So it's not just like, this is what I'm eating today, which is okay, by the way, I'm not judging anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, in the photography community, it is very refreshing to see photographers like you being like, you know, this is how I'm feeling today and might be good, might be bad, but there's always some sort of hope to it. There's always some sort of um, invitation for other people to share their own experiences. And I've seen the comments too. And it's just nice. It's uplifting and it's great. And as you said, it's, there are so many people in this world and online and nobody should ever have to feel alone. It's important to understand that if you take good care of yourself and your personal life, then you will thrive as a photographer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Since you're an expert photo editor, I have to ask you the question. How long does it take you to edit one photograph? <laughs> uh, I don't know about expert. <laughs> I think I'm a master of my specific skill set. There's a lot of things I don't know in Photoshop. I still have to kind of research things sometimes and be like, what? Where is that hidden in Photoshop? But I think that the time that I spend in it, I never really keep track. And I always kind of wish that Photoshop had like a built-in and I think they have like plugins you can download, but I wish that Photoshop just had like a, a little clock in the bottom of it just to tell you like you spent, you know, nine hours <laughs> on this file. I would think that in the most part, I would spend a couple of hours, probably two at least mm. on an image. It depends. I think there's some times when it just flows so easily. And I think that's it's part of the whole process. So if I slow down and if I actually shoot the photos in the right way <laughs> and I mm-hmm. I sit and I kind of do things the right way from the beginning, then obviously the whole process is a lot more streamlined. But then there's times when I think, oh, I should have done that differently and I should have just shot from this angle or I should have made sure I did this. Then it adds more time. And I think that I get lost in Photoshop. Sometimes it's just sort of like my playtime or my like free time. So I just enjoy the process. I never look at it like being work. And then whenever I get frustrated, I just walk away because I know that when you create, when you're frustrated, it's never going to, you're never going to be happy with it. You're never going to beat the good out of something. <laughs> it's, it's not going to work. And I think that that's something that I've had to learn over time for sure, that it's okay to just walk away from it. But yeah, I think it's usually on the low end. I would say no quicker than half an hour, but on the longer end, I mean, I've spent days, I've spent five or six days on an image and it's gone through multiple versions. It's gone through multiple edits. It's gone through multiple changes. And I've, there's been times when I've still not even been happy with it in the end. So I think it's just enjoying the process more than the time that it takes. And I think that, I think that that's something I had to learn as well is that getting faster at something doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting better at it. That you can still take your time and still enjoy things. And I mean, even now I edit on a large screen. And when I look at some of the photos that I've created and I see these errors that I was like, that is because I didn't slow down and I didn't actually look at what I was doing. I was more like 
trying to beat the clock or more of trying to do this quickly and I didn't do it right. And when I think back, even as a kid, like one of the, I enjoyed school, but one of the comments I would always get from teachers was like, Joel needs to slow down (laughs) and like not rush his way through things. And I still am guilty of doing that. So (laughs) I do need to slow down and focus on my work. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good life advice in general. Just because <laughs> you can be fast at something doesn't mean you have to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. there's, And I think that one thing that actually, it has nothing to do with photography that really taught me that was I was doing some cycling trips and I was doing it with a, an environmental organization. And it was about 10 years ago and we were doing it over the course of two months. So we had specific days that we were riding and I would always want to be like the first one to be finished. And like, I would say, okay, I want to be in the front and I want to get there. And I, it was like a race. Every, every day we would ride was a race. And then we would get to the end and everyone would come in at different times. And we would tell stories and like all these people that came in later would be like, oh yeah, we stopped here. We had ice cream. Like we saw these cool horses and like all these stories. And I just thought, I just got here fast. <laughs> like I don't have any good stories. I just got here quick. And then that's when I realized it's like, you miss a lot when you go through things quickly. It doesn't mean that you had a better experience just because you did it quicker. Exactly. Yeah. It's the whole stop and smell the flowers thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's really good advice. Yeah. It's difficult because as you said, it's a fast paced world. Of course, especially if you're competitive, I am as well. It can be very difficult to slow down because you want to be <laughs> best at everything, <laughs> you know, yeah. but you know, it helps you kind of not humble yourself, but just slow yourself down and understand exactly. you're, you know I mean, it, life is not necessarily race <laughs> it's a good lesson yeah <laughs> what advice would you give to photographers who want to be as successful in conceptual photography as you i think that the number one thing that i try to share with people is to really figure out who you are and i think that that's the key to being an artist it's really finding out who you are because all of us in the world the only one that we have. So I'm the only one of me and you're the only one of you. And that is a huge responsibility to tell the stories and the ideas and the thoughts and the fears and the dreams that only you have. And so it becomes your responsibility to share that with us because when you go, all of those go with you. And this is your chance to really share with the world what makes you you and what makes you unique and what makes you afraid or happy or excited. And I think that that's the biggest advice I have is to find out what makes you you and to find out how you stand out from everyone else and to show us what the world looks like from your perspective, because we might have a lot of similarities. We might have a lot of things that connect us, but no one is ever going to be the same and no one is ever going to have the same combination of things inside of them. And I think that the best advice I have is to just spend some time really figuring out who you are and I always suggest, just like we said with lists, I really love doing mind maps, artistic list, <laughs> I guess. And I just tell people, like, if you're struggling or you don't know, you know, how to start, just put your name in the center of a page and just write every word that you can think of that describes who you are. And they can be good words and they can be not so good words, but they're all part of who you are. And when you look at that list, you start to understand more about how you see the world and how you feel about the world and, and how you live in the world. And those are all parts of how you create. And those should be parts of why you create and use those as ways to produce the work that you do, because then you're, you're going to produce work that is always personal, always unique, and it really will connect to people on a different level. 
I like that a lot. And it's not something I've heard of before because usually people say, you know, make a mind map of your photography interests or your interests in general. It's never been make a mind map of yourself. I think yeah. that's a unique approach and really, as you said, it will emphasize your uniqueness. And I completely agree with you. We're all so different. Yes, of course, similarities are a thing, but we do have something unique that we can bring to the table each and every one of us to be able to cherish that and appreciate that and also embrace the the flaws that we have is a very important part of the process for us as people and as photographers so i think that is brilliant advice thanks (laughs) so you mentioned that you are working on a 365 course which i'm super excited about Everybody is interested to see what you produce this year every single day (laughs) i'm excited um i'm nervous i'm I wanted to do it because I felt a bit of disconnect in the last little bit of myself and the work I was doing. And I wasn't sure like why I felt disconnected from it. And I think maybe it was just because of the external stress of everything else going on in the year. But I was like, I really need to get back to like why I want to do this and what enjoyment I have from it and to not be afraid to try things and fail at them. And I think that over the past few years, I've kind of gotten comfortable (laughs) in a way. And I think that a 365 is probably the most uncomfortable thing (laughs) you can do, especially like a self-portrait photographer mostly. And I know it's a challenge and I've done them before and I I know the work that goes into them. And I really wanted to, to push myself and I really wanted it to be a way for me to see myself do the project you know the last one i did was in 2013 and my life has completely changed since then so i wanted to see how i approach the project in a new way and i also wanted to really connect back to why i do this in a personal way as well and i really wanted to get back into the community part like you've mentioned that you know for a while i was sort of i was part of the community but i didn't really feel like i was looking at it in the most positive way i was getting kind of stuck in the negativity of things and and getting lost in in sort of where i wanted to be in it and i think that this is a good way to do it and i would say that i've lessened (laughs) my pressure of myself in terms of social media i think for a while i was getting so kind of wrapped up in in the formula of it and you know i have to post at this time and I have to you know, make sure I do these things. And it's almost like you have to go through this obstacle course just mm-hmm. to post a photo, have it perform well. And it was starting to really just make me upset because it's like I put all the work into doing it and then I'm expecting a robot to tell me if it's good or not. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> and it was really watching the documentary, The Social Dilemma, that I realized like, it's so dumb. Like it's just computers and robots that are trying to give me validation and this is so stupid (laughs) this is so dumb and so i just realized you know what if i do a 365 i can't think about that i can't put it all onto robots and, and algorithms and all these stupid things that don't really exist and i just have to create and i just have to enjoy the process and and so that was a huge part of it was just that's going to be a way for me to let go of my expectation and my my sort of pressure on myself in terms of social media especially so i've decided to post the whole thing on Flickr and to kind of post the ones that i feel 
I want to share on other social media platforms when I want to. And so I don't feel compelled to, to do one thing or the other, but I wanted to, to post to Flickr because it was the place that I started and I feel like they really support artists. And, and I think if things get stressful or I feel like I'm disconnected from, from Instagram or Facebook, I can go back to Flickr and it'll be kind of my comfort zone. Really good. And I think it's a good choice. And I really look forward to seeing all the photos you share there. <laughs> following your journey this year. I think it'd be very exciting. I'm excited and nervous. I'm excited and nervous. I'm trying to plan out like two weeks in advance. So at least I have a plan. But mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Yeah, just go with the flow. I mean, you are so <laughs> creative and you have such a strong portfolio of work. I have no doubt that you'll do an incredible job. I'm very excited to see everything. And I'm sure, I mean, for the listeners, guys, listen, if you're into conceptual photography, <laughs> Even if you're not, I am asking you to follow Joel on Flickr. <laughs> you'll just get free daily inspiration. I mean, there's nothing better, right? <laughs> okay, Joel, my last question for you is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? Oh, geez. That's a good question. I think like I never really set out to achieve anything. <laughs> I think that finishing the 365 when I first did one, that was the only goal that I've really ever set in terms of photography. It's funny because I am a goal-oriented person and I really am motivated by, like we said, finishing a goal or crossing it off the list. But I've never really set them out for myself in terms of photography. And I think that I've had some really amazing opportunities and, and I've worked with some amazing people and done some really cool things. And I'm so happy for all those, but I never really expected them to happen or even necessarily wanted them to happen. Um, so I think that that's part of the joy of this is that I go into every day not expecting anything. And so anything that does happen that's good is like even better because I didn't expect it. But I think in terms of like, where I want to be or what I want to achieve is I just want to be someone that is looked at as not just an artist, but as a person and as like a a positive influence in this community. And that is known for not just producing work, but also kind of fostering creativity and, and building people up. And I think at the end of all of it, you know, I kind of joked with a friend that at the end of this 365, maybe I'll never want to pick up a camera again. And that's, that could be fine as long as I feel like I've put a positive footprint into the creative world and I think that I'm working on it and I think that that's sort of how I will measure my own personal success is if I feel that I've done good for myself and for other people and I think that the photos are kind of an add-on to all of that. Mm -hmm. I really like that answer and I appreciate that you think about other people even though you're creating for yourself first and foremost. I think it's very thoughtful of you and very inspiring for other people. And I, again, appreciate what you're doing for the community. I had a lot of fun talking to you. Thank you for all of your thoughtful, wonderful answers. And yeah, it was great to talk to you as well. It's been a few years since we've known each other kind of without knowing each other. So it's always yeah. nice to kind of match a voice to a name. Yes, we've known of each other. <laughs> simple now, which is surreal, but really cool. Yeah. Thank okay, you. listeners, definitely check out Joel's work. I'll leave all the links to his work in the description. Check out his 365 project. And Joel, it was so nice talking to you again. I cannot wait to see all the photos that you produced this year. And we'll talk soon. Yes, thank you so much. Bye. Bye. I remember one of the first times that I saw Joel's photos. 
I can't remember which photo it was exactly, but I vividly remember the feeling we got when I looked at it. I was in awe of his editing skills and his ability to make the simplest things look like magical objects. I hope his approach to mental health inspires you to take care of yourself and to always, always follow your intuition. See you next week! There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.